Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Our guest today is Clay Freeman. He's the founder of the Spice and Tea Exchange. Clay opened the company in 2005 because he wanted to bring the 18th century spice markets and that experience to life. He now has more than 40 locations in 24 states and he offers more than 140 spices and 30 exotic tea. So, let, let, welcome to the show today. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. What got you interested in teas and spices? Uh, well, it was kind of a, um, uh, a labor of love or an indirect route as well. I always was kind of a foodie and enjoyed cooking and was fascinated by spices and everything. When I was putting myself through grad school, I worked at a couple of restaurants and I was always in the back hanging out with the chefs and uh, prep cooks and everyone, just kind of seeing what's going on. And, you know, I thought it was fascinating. Of course, I never tried to make anything of it. Mm-hmm. But then a few years later on in, in life, I was uh, going into a couple of stores and I saw a lot of spices being offered, but they weren't quite what I, you know, was expected in my mind. I had these visions of the old historical markets, you know, with the spices piled up and things. And going into grocery stores, I didn't see it. But then I noticed that uh, some food companies like McCormick and um, Emeralds and a lot of the big names started coming out with these little blended spice seasonings and jars in a grocery store. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, man, that'd, it'd be neat if you just do that yourself in a store <laughs> uh-huh. make them. So I had, uh, it, it fascinated me, and I started looking a little further into it. And I just thought, oh, well, I wonder what would happen if we actually did that. So that was the genesis of it. Yeah, and, and didn't you, you did quite a bit of traveling outside of the U.S., as I recall, too, and uh, you you were exposed to some of the different spices through those travels, too, right? Right. Um, in my corporate work, I was fortunate enough to travel around the world quite a bit, and as a matter of fact, I would come into stores there. Of course, and people are used to in the Middle East and mm-hmm. some of the... Uh, um, South Pacific countries, there's spice markets that are, you know, a whole different deal there where they're all piled up in these beautiful piles. A lot of people have seen pictures of that, mm-hmm. but it's, um, it, we don't have the climate to, uh, <laughs> no. to do that here. <laughs> Not dry enough. <laughs> but then also in like London and Europe, some other places, there would be these little hole in the wall stores that had, uh, all of the spices in these, you know, little bins or, you know, other things that we wouldn't maybe not pass the health department codes here in the mm-hmm. U.S. <laughs> exactly. So you came back and saw that there was a void, saw that there was a gap, and thought that this could be a business that you could go into. And you opened your first location when? In, in 2005, is that right? Yeah, it was the very, very end. It was December. I tried to make it just before Christmas in 05, so probably easier to say two, two, mm-hmm. 2006. Mm-hmm. And you, 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 but, had, um, you had a different name at that time. Yeah, it was in a little, I left my corporate job and decided I just wanted to open up a little spice store, and I moved down to St. Augustine, Florida, just below Jacksonville, above Daytona, and it had a little historical 
twist to it, you know, being the oldest city in the country. So that was nice, too. Mm-hmm. But they had a neat little walking district there called St. George Street that all the you know, pedestrians and tourists would walk down. And there's a little cross street there. And I found a little spot, uh, opened the store. I went and bought an old sailboat and uh, dropped it in the harbor and went and opened my little spy store and decided to you know, start making some blends and steak rubs and fish seasoning and things like that. And it took off from there. Yeah, life was good. I mean, you have your sailboat, you have your little spice store, and and, uh, and you're in Florida, of all places. How much better can you get? Okay, so you started there in two, late 2005. Uh, things are going well for you, but um, what caused it to just explode? I mean, you're, like I said at the beginning, you're in uh, many states, and you have all, what now, 140 spices and 30-some teas, how did how did you build it? Well, it was uh, again not planned. It was just <laughs> a, it evolved that way um, inside the store. There, we had all the, of the blends and the seasonings, and as more people kept coming in, the the turning point. It got very busy. A local newspaper came and did a story, and it was sort of unique. And I dressed the store out in the old 18th century you know, trading post kind of feel to it, mm-hmm. and. Um, when people started coming in and taking their cell phones out and holding them up and taking pictures, and I could hear them say, this is a cool idea, I knew then that I had to, either I had to take the idea and run with it or someone else was going to take it and do it for me. Right. And so I was like, oh, so I kind of turned around and got right back in the corporate world. But the <laughs> thing is, I didn't want to uh, try and run a bunch of stores. I wanted it to be you know, owner-operators, mm-hmm, you know, that mm-hmm. they had a vested interest in mom and pops or, you know, that it was their store, too. So the only way to do that was through franchising. Right. And so that, and we'll talk a little bit more about your franchising model and how you choose your locations and what you look for in an operator um, in in a little bit. But I want to go back to that experience. You said that people, so you aren't just selling teas and spices. You're actually uh, selling that old world experience when they come in to, to purchase or to peruse the spices and the the teas they're also you know you're you're taking them back in time to old world uh experience right yeah i really wanted it to be a completely immersive experience Mm -hmm. Um, the sights the smells the visual everything in there i wanted it to you know completely immersed in it so a couple of other spice stores that i've been in in the u.s you know it's more like Acme spices when you went in. There's just a bunch of spices on the shelf. Mm-hmm. There was no subtleties or nuance to it. So I, in all the stores, we try to use authentic antiques, um, old timber frame shelving to hold the products. We have these beautiful uh, glass um, trapezoid jars that we display the spices in. And it really has a, a complete feel. The, the whole experience is what we're shooting for. And that, I think that makes a huge difference. Right. I mean, it is an exploding industry, too. Obviously, your business is exploding, and the experience that you have created for your customers has contributed to that. But the, the tea industry itself is exploding. I think I've read that it's top $10 billion in the spice industry, too. It's coming in at somewhere around $5 billion. Why do you think these industries just in general, your, your um, experience that you create aside, what do you think is accounting for the growing popularity of these industries? 
Well, I think the most basic element of it is that everyone eats and everyone drinks. Mm-hmm. So it's you're not creating a new need. It already exists. And so you, you want the flavor and you want the best. I mean, it's just an inherent you know, self-fulfilling need there. Um, in particular for the teas, uh, it, it's just on such a rise now, and everyone is looking for a unique twist on it. I grew up in the South, and the old Southern sweet tea was all we knew for a while. Right. <laughs> from that, it's changed dramatically, and now there's so many flavors and so many styles of tea. You know, it used to just be black, green, and then the white teas came along, and now there's oolongs and matchas and other little variations on it to where it's becoming you know, quite sophisticated. Well, and, and that's a key word there, sophisticated. And you're seeing that in some other industries as well, such as, uh, you know, the uh, the coffee industry, and you're seeing it with the beer industry, too, and the microbrews. Why do you think people are interested in or becoming more sophisticated and showing an interest in uh, these types of, of uh, ingredients and these types of uh, products that you can't necessarily get in off on the shelf at your grocery store? Well, I think we're all looking for something exciting and new. I mean, it's uh, not trying to get too philosophical with it, but, you know, it's human nature to explore and, and to go out and have new experiences and new things. Uh, we're not all able to travel all around the world and see stuff, but can kind of fulfill that a little bit by trying these exotic flavors or exotic teas or spices and flavorings from around the world right there at, at home. I mean, mm-hmm. you can run down to one of our stores and and touch that, if you will, through right. these experiences. Yeah, and I, I think it's a particularly interesting that these are doing so well um, in our convenience economy where people uh, tend to buy prepackaged things and eat out more and uh, when they do prepare dinner at home I think sometimes they go all out or you know we we go all out uh, in in preparing these and you want the finest ingredients and so forth so so I think there's something to that as well how do you think that the spice and tea exchange fits into all this um it's it's a perfect fit, really. And again, I, I'm not saying it to say that I had this wonderful idea and it's perfect, but it, it was a need that was there that we slipped into. I mean, I myself, when I go to the store, what am I going to do to this piece of chicken tonight when I get home <laughs> to feed right. family? Mm-hmm. And so with that, you know, we created, we have over 80 blends. Again, chicken, things to season chicken with, steak rubs, fish seasonings, Jamaican jerk. We have a few curries and all of these dry rubs that we hand mix right there in the store. And so it's easy to come in and just get the convenient, grab it, you throw it on the food when you get home, and everyone thinks you're a chef when all you did was throw these pre-mixed seasonings on it. So it's exactly. So, uh, and you... then for the chefs, though, for those that, that are a little more adventurous or you know, go further into making their own creations, we have the individual spices as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. So we kind of hit both groups. Yeah, and you have some that are rather hard to find, too, uh, that you, you don't necessarily find on the supermarket shelves and uh, or the convenience store shelves either, which is, is nice that you, you offer those. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk about that phenomenal growth that you've had over the la- less than a decade, actually, and where you see the future of all of this going. You're listening to Smart Companies Radio on Blog Talk Radio. We'll be right back. Interested in growing your business? 
Thinking Bigger Business Media has the resources you need to grow your company to the next level, whether it's an aspiring business, a startup, established, or mature. Thinking Bigger provides the how-to strategies, critical connections, and key information to make your business more productive and more profitable. Check them out at IThinkBigger.com and find out what successful Kansas City business owners already know. Thinking Bigger Business Media is the resource for growing businesses. Visit them today at IThinkBigger.com. Good morning. Welcome back to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. We're talking here this morning with Clay Freeman. He's the founder of the Spice and Tea Exchange. And we talked very briefly in the first half about the franchise model that he's using in order to grow the company. It's expanded, as I said, into more than 40 locations in 24 states, and they offer 140, well, actually more than 140 spices and 30-some exotic teas as well. Let's talk about that growth, Clay. Um, You're obviously, you didn't want to get back into the corporate world. That's where you came from. You saw that it was very important that the experience be replicated, uh, very similar to the original store that you opened, and that they needed to be owner-operated, that somebody there from the area. So talk to us about um, how you plan to continue that expansion over the next five years, are you going to continue with the franchise model? Yes, we are. That's really the most ideal scenario to do this. Um, again, we wanted the owner-operators to have a vested interest in their business. Um, the advantage being, of course, with all franchising, which I didn't know before until I got into the industry, is the mistakes have already been made, if you will, mm-hmm. or have been made, rather. And all the things that work have already been found out as well. So it really is an ideal situation for uh, someone to, to invest in. And we've had a couple of people that tried to take our idea and open their own store. I, I keep up with them on, on the side. And, and at first that worried me. And I would look at what they're doing. And eventually they always seem to fail. And I, it's unfortunate, but at the same time it speaks volumes to you know, the validation of our concept and how right. it works. I mean, from the subtle things of the label, how it looks, you know, FDA compliance with your labeling and things, all the way to the sourcing of the products, getting the best product from the best place. These things come from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And so that makes such a huge difference, as well as the marketing efforts. I mean, there's a lot of growing that we did in the last few years, and it's really, we've honed it down now to where it really is a great functioning business so you can just concentrate on enjoying what you do which is talking to people and selling spices right exactly you have you have it all worked as you have expanded across the country have you found that certain spices perform better in certain areas of the country uh you know best sellers in uh say the one area versus another um yeah i mean there's little subtleties i mean Mm -hmm. clearly coastal located places we sell a lot more fish blends <laughs> yeah absolutely but uh for the most part i think everyone really eats a lot of everything nowadays again what you mentioned earlier how the access to things is so easy and convenient mm-hmm. nowadays that we do a lot our you know biggest sellers are our steak rubs and we have a, a tuscany blend that's an italian mm-hmm. seasoning that is fantastic that everyone eats. But we have a few regional uh, things as well. 
When you're looking to expand, how does that work? You mentioned that some people see your idea and try to copy it. Um, do you have people who come to you and from you know from different areas and say, "Hey, I'm interested," or do you very strategically say, "I want to penetrate that area of the co- country," and then you go out in, in whatever way searching for that owner operator in that area? How does that work? Well, there we certainly have strategic areas we'd like to be in or places that we know a store would do fantastic, but we need to find the potential franchisees in that area. Right. And up for the most part, we've had word of mouth is how we've grown. Mm-hmm. Someone comes into our store and said, oh, I would love to have one of these in my hometown or something. Mm-hmm. And they would contact us, and we grew that way. Uh, this past year, we just now really started to uh, advertise and promote the company and to have our growth through that kind of um, advertising. Again, before it was all word of mouth, and we grew pretty well and pretty fast. So now that we're really going out and concentrating on that, we hope that we can catch the strategic areas as mm-hmm. well. What What do you look for in a new franchisee? Uh, someone, I, I still have the nostalgic, someone who just wants to, get out of their corporate life or wants to do something that they enjoy. I mean, this clearly you have to do a business that makes money. I mean, we have to survive. But I want them to do it because they enjoy it. I mean, again, we're not trying to sell interpretive art or some sort of IT device, you know, us against the competition. It's everyone eats, and we have the best quality product, and it's just an easy, soft sell. Mm-hmm. So I just want people who really enjoy food, enjoy what they're doing, and and when they have this store, it's not going to work every day. It's just going to do something you enjoy. Yes, and you know it's so much fun to. It's it's different than when you're trying to sell a light bulb to somebody. I would think you know this is actually it's almost like um, sharing a meal with them in some ways. I I would suppose because when they come in with their questions about something that they're going to prepare, you can talk about that. And so you're looking for people who truly do enjoy that kind of experience on both sides of the counter. I guess the person that's selling it and the person that's coming in. So a good match there. You mentioned that, uh, well, you've actually talked quite a bit about how the Spice and Tea Exchange has been inspired by the 18th century trading post. You try to capture the sights and smells of that and just that whole experience. Can you tell us even more about that? I mean, if I were to walk in, uh, what what, what would I see? What would I experience? Uh, You mentioned the jars, but uh, what what else is there? Again, it's very... When you come in, the the most obvious thing and the consistent element that's through all of the stores are the giant wood beams that we have mm-hmm. for um, pillar posts mm-hmm. that the shelving is on. So the so the big wood beams and the the thick shelving, it has that kind of rustic feel to it. And throughout the store, of course, we'll have uh, reproductions of old maps that kind of hint back to the historical trade route mm-hmm. from the slice trade. And uh, little elements, a lot of iron elements in there, uh, decorative pieces, buckets, um, giant bowls and scoops, some of the things that have been used back then. Sure. Yeah, you had mentioned the antiques earlier. So when you go out and and franchise, is that part of the the package? Do you have some place where you source these kinds of things so that all the stores look the same if you went from 
one to the other, they would look just the same? Or are the franchisees able to go out and find their own? I mean, how does that work in decorating the store and recreating that experience for each one of them? Well, originally, we would go out and decorate the stores ourselves. Okay. Um, you know, we, we were very hands-on. As we've grown now, it's, it's just logistically impossible <laughs> to do yeah. that. But some of the uh, the crews that we work with that have built some of the stores for us um, are aware of that now and know how to look for it. But even further, we've created our own build-out manual now that all the franchisees get. Mm-hmm. And inside of there, we get some very specific direction on where to look and how to find these pieces and what to look for and encourage them to go to local architectural salvage places mm-hmm. or antique markets in the area to get them. Yeah. And again, the the importance of, of, of being a franchisee, uh, the turnkey, I mean, all the way down to how you can decorate your store and build it out right there in a manual. I mean, can't get much better than that. Now, you never, from what I, I know about you, you never intended to start your own business. So you, you were leading a corporate life and, and finally your your hobby or your, you know, your interest just got the best of you and you you couldn't you couldn't resist going ahead and, and making that entrepreneurial plunge. What kind of advice or tips would you give others, especially those who may be in corporate America and may be a little concerned about leaving the benefits and leaving the maybe good paying salary of a corporate job, but they've got a passion. What would you say to them about going out on their own? Would you say, well, let's just let's just ask this question. Would you say try it on the side and keep your day job, or would you say just take the plunge and do it? Well, you know, the biggest thing is I can I can speak from firsthand experience. I, I've been there. I know what you're going through, and I know it's scary and to leave a job, to leave benefits, and that sort of thing. Uh, have the courage and the, to leap, and then that will appear. Well, mm-hmm. that's different when you have <laughs> your family depending <laughs> on you and all. Right. But I, at least I, I've kind of taken care of that for you. I mean, I, my intent was so pure. I mean, I, I did not create this business so you know, I need a business idea. What can I do that's going to get a lot of people sold? It was purely organic and with the best intent. I created it myself because I wanted to do it. And so all I'm trying to do now is share that with others mm-hmm. and you know, rather than doing it on your own, I mean, I've become a big advocate for franchising now, which, again, was a completely different beast. I didn't know much about it, but I see the benefits of it now and, and how that would work for you. Everything is taken care of for you pretty much. I mean, you still have to run your store, obviously. Right. But the, the details and the paths to take are already set up, so all you need to do is go and Open the doors. And you have information about your franchising opportunities on your website, correct? Correct. Yeah. Spiceandtea.com. Spiceandtea.com. And is that the best way to reach you if somebody's interested in learning more about the franchising opportunities available? Yes, it is. Although we have phone numbers and all of that, Mm -hmm. the easiest thing, especially these days, just go right to the website. Okay, spiceandtea.com. And, Clay, we're very excited uh, about all of your success. And we, you know, in the next five, ten years, we hope to see even more around the country. And uh, keep us posted on that growth, okay? I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit our website at ithinkbigger.com. 
follow us on Facebook at Thinking Bigger Business Media or on Twitter at I Think Bigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>